I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Hornady Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik, and today I've got a full table to my left, Marketing Director Neil Davies, and across the table, the Assistant Director of Engineering, Joe Thielen, and former senior ballistic scientist, Dave Emery. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Good to be here. Good to be here, buddy. Yeah, this is an important show because not only are you guys uh, had your hand in a bunch of cool stuff and products and all of this, there's a little product that, that a couple people have heard of uh, called the 6.5 Creedmoor. I don't know if you guys remember that at all, but uh, it's it's kind of a thing. Don't know if it'll take off. Yeah, it's kind of a flash in the pan cartridge is really what it is. America doesn't like 6.5s. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yep. Truer words have never been spoken. Uh, and we say that in jest, obviously, because the 6.5 Creedmoor, as uh, as Neil has coined, was the, the overnight success that took 10 years. And uh, there are a few light bulbs that can stay on in our factory because of 6.5 Creedmoor sales. It's been a tremendously high-performing cartridge for us, both in the sales world and out in the field and mm-hmm. using it. And we've all taken this cartridge on hunts, matches, had our kids shoot it. I mean, it's just so versatile. And that all started, you know, I mean, there's a village that is required to do everything, but the guys around this table, excluding myself, of course, uh, really saw this thing from conception to finished product. And, uh, you know, we've got, I brought some, for those viewers watching, I have some uh, trinkets on the desk here. Yeah, what you got there? I have a sizing die that's labeled 6.5-30TC uh, <laughs> from the from the R&D lab. I have what I'm guessing is uh, a size die used to form brass, uh, a forming die. And here's a, a piece of history. That says Dave's Icon. 143 oh, ELDX, yeah. 15 off the rifling. That's probably getting close to 10 years ago. Yep, yeah. so a dummy round from uh, when the 143 ELDX would have been first developed. And that taper die has an X on it, like XJ, which is Experimental Joe from the case plant. So that is the original steel die to taper down the first cases that were ever if, made. All right, there it is. You saw it here, folks. So, XJ, Experimental Joe. Joe Thielen, well, appreciate you experimenting. And before we dive too much into 6.5 Creedmoor, this conversation really can't start until we go back far enough to encompass the 30TC and, and that involvement with Thompson Center. So um, hopefully you guys had your coffee this morning and uh, let's go back to the 30TC. And if we need to go back a little further than that, we can, but uh, the 30TC is really the start of the 6.5 Creedmoor story, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was... 2004 and Dave, I didn't Probably five or six. I didn't work here until 2005. Creedmoor was was seven. Yeah, but we, we were working on it in seven, six. Yeah. I'm thinking it was, yeah, it was in the four five range. Okay, because um, it, yeah, it was right when I started when we were, but the TC had kind of been done because I didn't really do much development on that case. Okay, so right around like Dave said, 2004, five, 2005, five, you're yeah. working on the 30 TC, and what was the impetus to? make another mid-sized 30 cal cartridge well that was right when thompson center when it was still thompson center came out with the icon and yeah. this fine was, rifle oh i've still got one of the originals i'll never get rid of that thing yeah but um jason hornady and greg ritz who was the you know owner manager of tc at that time were very very close friends and greg came out here and we all went out to dinner and he yeah announce hey we're, chicken you, coop. You, you were part of that too yeah. weren't you yeah we were at the chicken coop and you know i'm doing this new rifle and it's all this great stuff and everything else and i want my own branded cartridge and it turned into you know what can we do to try to give this thing some sort of unique characteristics that it might have some kind of a angle to be successful and we decided to go with you know a short fatter minimum taper cartridge can get long ogi bullets in it if you wanted to make a at the time we were even thinking maybe you could even possibly get this thing in a short action instead of just a standard length action right and you know it's what we came up with it was kind of the first time we started uh, the 
Well, the TC was a follow-on. The, the propellant development now was a follow-on to the uh, RCMs, where we okay. were kind of first starting to make, you know, purpose-built powders for a, a cartridge. Yeah, which would kind evolve into... Superformance right, kickoff, yeah, it, essentially. It, it, it was the start of what turned into Superformance. Okay, so in this little short cartridge, what did that Superformance-esque type propellant gain you from a ballistic standpoint? Oh, it was better than 200 foot per second i mean you had this little itty bitty 30 caliber cartridge that was at or better than 30-06 ballistics okay so it wasn't a slouch by any means. no it was not a slouch cartridge it was a good cartridge it was accurate i mean mm-hmm. we it's what the 308 winchester could be mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's one yeah. Of kind of a 308 yeah. improved almost when That's, you look at the yeah. shoulder angle yeah yeah but i mean the 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 cartridge itself was the first time i think we had ever really seriously dabbled into you know a, a minimum taper sharp shoulder shorter cartridge in order to give you room for getting long ogi bullets in them okay which that's an interesting point because from that then and so many other things that have come with you know that's been the recipe for it has. success for a bunch of the cartridges and that a, we did introduce like neil said it's it's kind of the recipe so i'm guessing the uh chamber dimensions and tolerances was used that same recipe that we're still using today from a dimensional standpoint. Mm-hmm. It did. As I recall, we had a, Joe, you got to help me here. I think we went with a 1,000th over bullet diameter throat in that thing. On the 30? Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, in order to try to get better accuracy. And as I recall, any of them that I ever shot were really quite accurate for yep. an out-of-the-box factory rifle. Awesome. Well, you did a good job with the cartridge and, yeah, with the prevalency of 308 and 30-06. It, it was up against some stiff competition. And then as the story goes, uh, Thompson Center, um, I don't know if they shrugged off the cartridge, but they were sold and that cartridge became slightly less popular. Yeah. Another, another fun fact that, you know, on the Icon gun, this, it's a real small world, but so George Gardner had something to do with uh, helping them with the design for the oh, really? Icon action. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. those are slick action, 60-degree throw, and they were elegant. They were nice action. Oh, gosh, it's a they smooth were, They action. were on a roll. They had the yep. Warlord, too, so they had a full kind of uh, PRS-style, well, not well, really back then, that, but yeah. yeah. Field match kind of thing. Yeah, flat on the bottom of the receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was real cool action. Well, the 30TC got a lot of treatments that we give our current cartridge development and it was kind of the founder of the feast, if you will. So, Dave, Joe, you guys are working on the 30TC. At what point was it an immediate, hey, we need, we need to start shrinking this thing down? Uh, or when did that step down to 6.5 really occur? Well, and what was the, the parent case for this? What, what did you base it off of? Well, I mean, it was a shortened 308. Yeah, that's all it was, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Creedmoor. Yeah. Or, and the 30. And the yeah. 30. Yeah. 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 It, was, it, was a, it was a short. Real quick, I know I just asked about when you necked it down to 6.5, but before we get there, um, I want to hear your opinion on, uh, or not your opinion, but why you selected the 30-degree shoulder angle. Uh, I know we get this question a lot, and I know how I answer it, but I want to hear how you answer it, because there's a lot of people that will come up to us at trade shows and stuff, and why is it not 40 or 35? Why did you select 30? So 30... Um, when you're forming cartridge brass and making cases, the, when you get a shoulder too steep, mm-hmm. you get fallout. They don't form as well. It's harder to keep the necks concentric in thickness and all that. Cause the material does not want to flow around a sharp corner. Okay. So 30 is a very, Happy I'm going to say a sweet spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It heads. So the cartridge head spaces positively head spaces very well. It doesn't grow that much from firing to firing. Cause then you got to trim your cases all the time. So match shooters, you know, we're busy loading a lot of ammo and then number three and probably more importantly you can form a lot of good quality cartridge cases very consistently yep and that's uh it's probably you that that uh shared that with me but for the listeners out there that's why you'll see the 30 degree shoulder on most of the cartridges that that we release i think probably since this one i've written on that in a couple articles too and just you Probably where the rubber meets the road is like as a mass producer, you get a lot less scrap with a 30 yeah. degree shoulder. Doesn't want to hunch. What's the 6'5, 284 shoulder? Because uh, we always check that two or book, right? five. Because we something. always had problems. Yeah, it's, 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 they're it's, hard to make. Yeah. It's a little steeper. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Neil, while you look that up, uh, Jamie just pulled this up for us, rather Preston. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, it's a 3085 Sammy Speck on the throat diameter. Okay, so the, it was, was five over. Yeah, five it was over. five tenths over. Then that was the first time we, well, the 17 HMR was the first really time we started that, that. But we applied this to a center fire. Yep. yep. And it definitely took off. So you've got the 30TC. The accuracy is great. Uh, you've got what became Superformance propellant. And then you, when, did, when was that? Okay, let's neck this thing down. 35 degree. 35. 35 yeah. on the 65-284. Hard to make. Yep. Yeah. All right. So when when was it that it was like, was it instant? Were you all, because Dave, we know you're a tinkerer. We've heard this. Were you working on the 30TC and the whole time going, man, I'm going to neck that thing oh, down? No. No. This no. was a, uh-uh. are you going to, the Camp Perry? Written yeah. That? Well, it was, that was 2006 the, at Camp Perry. We, Joe and I went and, and Neil. shot and- Right, you were yeah, in the you were in the there. condo. Yeah, with Dennis DeMille yeah, was, and yep. uh, Greg Kantorovich. Yep, we we went and shot the service rifle week at Camp Perry, and Dennis DeMille was there. Who, of course, was a very good friend of all of ours at the time. He was a general manager for Creedmoor Sports, and he had been competing with the Tub Two Thousand and Six XC for three, four, years. five in, years in NRA across the course. Yep, yeah, and. We sat down one day after the competition. He said, I am so frustrated with this 6XC cartridge because I'm just, all the loading data out there is, far as I can figure, too hot because I have hard bolt lift, I have drop primers, I have pierce primers. And he said, I'm just, I'm fed up with this thing. I want something where I can go in any gun shop and I can buy an off-the-shelf round of match ammo and put it in my gun and go be competitive. Yep. That's a tall order in that 2006. Oh, yeah, it, is. it was. Yeah, it because is. you did not win those matches without hand loading. But, I mean, he was sick of buying brass, depending on whatever brass he could get, sizing it. Yeah, and it's loading. a wildcat. It it was, yeah. So he went through a list of kind of performance parameters that he wanted. And, again, ease of loading, commercially available dies. We should have wrote those down, or did we write those down somewhere? Because it was, <sighs> I know one of them was positional stuff one and of, recoil yeah. was one of one of them was, was this cannot have too much recoil to hurt me in position shooting like sitting or something mm-hmm. like that and then the other one was it has to be it has to be awesome at 600 yards yeah he said this, see, this has got to be a true long range load. cartridge oh any other thing he said i want the load recipe on the label on oh the box. Yeah. yeah that's right oh well that's that where that one. came from yep yeah. that was okay. dennis demille all right but he didn't, he didn't, there was no design characteristics. It wasn't, he was, yeah, no, he just had performance. Six, parameters. a six, five, a 30, or whatever. It he was didn't never care what it was. It was just, these, are the, these are the performance parameters or characteristics that I'm, I'm looking for out of a cartridge that will work great for across the course shooting. Yep. And I would say, as I remember, Joe, we were sitting there with Dennis and you and I batted this around for oh. five to 10 minutes. And then we kind of came to, Hey, you know, if you want ballistic performance and you want low recoil, this is about got to be 6.5 because those are some of the best bullets out there in terms of and it BC was for weight. Barrel life, too. Yeah, he said it was, the six yep, millimeters was, yep. he was yeah, eating, he said, they shoot a lot of rounds and yep. heat and everything. And he's like, yep, I got to have that's something right. that's consistent throughout the whole day. So, yeah, we're like, that's a 6.5 six, five sounds really good. And I can, rem- I remember telling Dennis, hey, we got this 32. TC cartridge, which is basically a short 308 cartridge, which would be perfect for this because you can get these real long Ojive 6.5s in this thing and a mm-hmm. standard 2.8 magazine yep. length. Yep. And that's I, literally that's where it came that's from. Literally was, yeah. Yeah. That's literally, yeah. At any point in that conversation, did you guys talk about the 260 Remington, which was at the time not, it was never been widely popular, but it was being shot at that point, or was that even in the conversation? No, we, we discounted no. it right off the bat because it's like it's a full 308 length okay. case, and you cannot get these long ogive bullets in this right. thing without running them into the lead and the rifling. Got it. So and, you got to have a kind of a start from scratch mentality. And we kind of went away from the uh, 6.5-284 almost immediately because it's like it'll have too much recoil. Too much re- yep. And I know, Dave, this was part of the time because I have notes in this book. That's when we started doing, um, or however we were, were doing it, but we started really paying attention to the bore diameter and volume of the case and which powders we were going to burn and how much of those powders, yep. because you were started, yep. you mentioned Superformance earlier and making those powders. So I know 
it had to have something to do with this one because we have notes in here of trying to hit certain volume numbers of the cartridge case. Well, I think we decided very early on we were not going to do a, a, a ball powder in this because we wanted the temperature sensitivity that the Hodgson... For the, we, we, for ba the we based load. it from the get-go on Hodgson And I know extreme. 40... I have 40 grains of powder, so I know we settled around plus or minus, but mm -hmm. we wanted about 40 grains of powder yep. in there for the 264 uh, diameter barrel. Look at this. A hundred free bullets when I buy these select Hornady reloading tools. Wow, 500 free bullets with certain Hornady reloading presses and kits. Well, what do they have? Let's get loaded. There's no better time to stock your reloading bench. Choose from the most durable, precise, and convenient tools on the market and receive free bullets to get you loaded. Visit Hornady.com for further details. Next time we get loaded, I'm buying. Perfect. Well, that was a, a good set of parameters, you know, performance parameters. And how did that rubber meet the road here from getting back to the factory and, and getting Black ops. Yeah, getting things dies ordered. Exactly. I knew he was going to ask this question. I said, that turned into one of Neil's uh, patented black ops programs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't called 6.5 Creedmoor. It was no. like... Well, 6.5 30 TC. Because well, we took 30 TC cases and they were head stamped that. And then we formed them, obviously, with different... Oh, here this, it is. This was data. another one of those where we knew we had to have data and information and one... One of those where Steve could have legitimately said, you SOBs never tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we've been told that a few times. Yeah, I heard yeah. him say it yesterday. More than a few yeah, times. Yeah, it came into the 17HMR conversation. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. But yeah, but, it, was a, it was a black op. I mean, these guys set out and developed the cartridge. Um, yeah, Neil, yeah, Neil basically said, hey, get me some data, get me something i can hold and and i'll run with it i'll go stick my neck out and talk to the Business. boss yep That's, so once it was developed then <clears throat> either you either just me or you and i went and I chatted with jason about it because jason i think was my boss at the time yeah he was and uh said to him you know hey we got this this is this is what's going on and he said well you, you need to call it the six five TC, right, was kind of where we yeah, were. That's... But we collectively, and I'm certainly not taking any credit for that, but we had decided to call it the Creedmoor as an homage to the conversation with Dennis, with Greg Kentorovich yeah. there and everything well, like that. Yeah, the historic Creedmoor yeah, Creedmoor yeah. match. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot going on there. It's, it's a very <clears throat> good historical tie, which looking back now is kind of interesting because I don't know that we gave it much thought then, but that was the first time that a cartridge was named for a, not a gun maker, a, really an ammo maker necessarily sure. at the time. So it was kind of a unique, yeah. unique well, name. Well, and the, the, this One was the a, first, anyway, commercially available. Yeah. This was a huge departure from normally what we did at Hornady, hunting cartridges, hunting bullets. Now we're, we're building a match yeah. cartridge yeah. to start with, which is yeah. different than we had done in the past. When you guys were doing that development before you kind of handed the baton to Neil, was it an easy type development? Obviously, you, you knew kind of what powders you were you were looking for. You knew the charge weight. Uh, you get some reamers in, get barrels chambered. Uh, did it just kind of fall into place, the temperature sensitivity, the accuracy, the consistency? Um, once we had the cartridge in chamber and we got the reamers in, we built, it took us, I don't know, I had, the stuff in here I have is probably eight months before we had the cases right from the notes that I, we changed tooling and manipulated stuff. And then we had cases in February of 07. Mm. And we had Dennis and us a rifle. We had a P&V barrels and stuff. And yeah, I remember from the get-go, it was so easy to get it to shoot good. Yeah, I mean, it right. was, it came, the accuracy just That's That's came what I remember, easy. that it, it really wasn't, you know, a big deal to get this thing to shoot the way we wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still today. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. So we knew we had a good... Yeah. Obviously, we weren't waving the victory flag, but we're right. like, hey, this works pretty darn good. We did 120 and 140 grain bullets to yeah. start with, I remember. Yeah, we did the 120 for the short range mm -hmm. and then the 140 and for the that was part range. of the recoil management. Oh, so sure, you're going to shoot sure. it, you yeah. know, two and three, you could shoot 120 grain bullets and then 
uh, when you're belly sheeting, you can shoot to 140. And yeah. as I recall, the 120 load, we didn't really even, we didn't load a 120 load to max either. We kind of no. kept it a little no. more modest. We did push the 140 right up near the top, but the 120, we didn't. Yeah, it was kind of a. We didn't push it real hard because we were trying to get a really low a recoil load. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, at least when I was working in ballistics, there was just certain things that just worked. That it was, it was just effortless. And that always. Like you said, you don't wave the victory flag, but they just give you a warm and fuzzy. And every time you go to yeah. do a test, it just works. And it's very, very satisfying. And it, you can almost, it's almost like a premonition that you, okay, this is going to be a home run. Like when Jaden was really working on the six arc there, it just worked works. every time mm. that he did a temperature test or an accuracy check, or we were looking for P and V and looking at extreme spreads, it just worked. And then we get guns built and we take it out and shoot it and it just flat works. Uh, there was just something easy about that, and that's very assuring. And I was glad to hear that the 6.5 Creedmoor, during your development, was also just kind of fell into place because uh, it obviously has fallen into place for a lot of folks. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to mess that up. Didn't know that at the time. Obviously, you're approaching it. So you get the cartridge developed. You get your performance criteria met with the loads, velocity, the recoil, the accuracy, all of these things. Uh and then you hand this off to Neil and, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about handing well, it off. We did because people shot it that year. In yeah. 07, people kicked some serious butt with this cartridge. But it was 07. still uh, under the radar. You okay. Know? Still I mean, black we were, ops. Yeah. It was still, at least it wasn't a, an officially blessed potential right. new, new yeah. product for us. Okay. So, so then we Jason had to go says and sell it's going it. to be the 6.5 TC. And you guys said. Yeah. And we were like, ah, I don't know. I don't, that's not, that's not our vision anyway. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was, you know, we, I don't know, I don't know how we fended that off, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't just remember. The can well, I, as I recall, uh, sometimes it, the trick is just have some brass that's head stamped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe, yeah. and yeah, maybe we did yeah, that. Maybe, I, don't I don't know. know. Worked oh, for this, me. This, I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Just doesn't get I, I think, it, <laughs> didn't it kind of go that Dennis, Dennis did have some pride of authorship with this, which he justifiably should have. And he kind of said, you know, I'd really like to creed more name on this. Something like and, that. And we and went I to, mean, to Jason with that and he said, oh, all right. I think so. And then and then he said, all right, now you, you got to go down there and talk to dad. Yeah. So I was like, all right. He said, you, not we? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't I, know. He's busy, but it was like, yeah. right. So our kind of our product intro timeline is typically right around the well, it's not really the intro, but it's kind of when things become officially official is for the, what was then Prime Media or Intermedia, now OSG, uh, editorial roundtable, okay. which is uh, usually the last part of July or first part of August. So now it's, the, we're going to make this real by talking to people outside of this building and maybe a select handful yeah. of people. So now we got to make sure it's cool. So he said, you need to go talk to dad. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I, the one thing I knew was historically in the past, when we do a cartridge, it's it's always in conjunction with a commercial firearm manufacturer. Right. And that's an easy way to get things rolling. So like, oh, what are we going to do here? Well, I was really good friends with Dustin M. Holtz at DPMS. So, and he, that was Randy Luth on DPMS back then. And just great group of guys. I still to this day, I have immense amount of respect for Randy and what they did for ARs over over their tenure he's a great guy and uh, and um dustin too so i called dustin up i'm like hey man because they had a they had a ar-10 and 243 and obviously 308 and they they, they weren't afraid to do different things okay like they just not afraid they, to be different uh, it's just a barrel i mean a barrel and a few other you know things i don't know what they'd have to do to gas block necessarily but anyway so i called him up it was really quick hey man we got a new cartridge it's a 6.5 creedmoor blah, 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 blah. Would you, would you be interested in chambering it? He goes, yeah, sure. Just like that. <laughs> so, Off the cuff. So yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So now I've got this in the hip pocket. I've, I've got some, some, uh, commercial manufacturer that's willing to chamber a rifle in it. Mm -hmm. So then Dave and I, cause we need reinforcements. Yeah. I, I remember him coming down the hall and going, come on, we got to go talk to Steve. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we went into Steve's office and, um, yeah, you know, you've got to sell him on it. And, uh, may, interestingly enough, he, when we, we told him about the cartridge, said the tub 2000, we can chamber that. And obviously, uh, DPMS was interested in doing it, would do it. He never said 
no, and he never said, yes, proceed. What he I, said, okay. Yeah, what I remember him saying, he, he said, you guys realize that, you know, no, America has really never embraced 6.5 yeah. caliber. He said, you guys know that, don't you? Well, yeah, but this is a special one, Steve. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, so, so we, we proceeded from that point forward yeah. and, and it, and it gained momentum slowly over the sure. years, obviously, and we can chat about that yeah. too. But so it started off as a match cartridge. Well, I mean, okay, it flies well. So what's wrong with a cartridge and a bullet, uh, a bullet that flies well, it's, it's going to have a great application on the hunting side too, right? right? So uh, it wasn't sh uh, shortly thereafter to uh, see people start using it for hunting applications. But the one thing you can always tell, and, and I think we've talked about it in the past, is if you want to know if a cartridge is going to be a good one or not, is when you go up and down the hallway there in Hornady and people have rifles chambered for something. Yeah. And it was like, everybody had one. Everybody knew that it was the deal. Um, so yeah, it started off kind of in a, in a niche world there on that match side. And then the AR side kicked off a little bit because that was, you know, the Brady bill just sunsetted in 04. So ARs were the rage. Everybody was doing everything AR, AR 15, AR 10. And uh, it started to gain momentum because you had not just DPMS. Now you had other companies that were starting to chamber it, but it kind of stayed in that ilk for a while. Okay. Until I think Ruger, Steve Johnson, uh, was a was was our PR guy back then, and he was good friends with some of the folks at Ruger, and uh, just you know they they saw the benefit of the cartridge and they chambered it in a in a hunting application. I don't TC may have too. I don't recall, but that but TC kind of changed they then. Changed too. right then, yeah, right. Yeah. That was when Smith and Wesson bought them, and yeah, I, I so. believe they did. And then but it was it a short period of time, right? Right, it wasn't very long. Yeah. And then uh, Savage picked it up fairly quick after that, yeah. too. So now it's starting to cross-pollinate into the hunting side, right. too, with different bullets. I mean, we had SSTs. And, yeah, two uh, performance, inner bonds even. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually here just last year, I think, I was talking to Ken Byers of Byers Media, and he yeah. remembers having a conversation with you, Dave, talking, if we've got this cartridge and this this ought to be perfect we really need to get up there into south dakota and, and take this on a deer yeah. hunt because this is this is the next best thing well i the one i remember the most probably from the hunting standpoint is when we did the 120 gmx and put it in that in south africa yeah, yeah. that changed and, that and, and, and years. most yeah. of the riders were like man oh man does this thing ever give you terminal performance yeah. on pretty big animals because it's a little bitty cartridge yeah it's a little yeah. bit i i can remember my peak ph going mate what are you going to do with that bloody little thing yeah because <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, like, everybody goes there with some magnum yeah. cartridge and, and, and he asked me you know well can you shoot the thing and then, well go put a target on the fence over there and i yeah. off of his headache rack i shot a three shot cluster that were all touching he goes bloody hell mate that's pretty good you know because <laughs> yeah. most of you americans can't shoot like that <laughs> <laughs> so there was that initial period people are shooting it in matches you know, the Camp Perry stuff, the PRS, not a thing at the time, uh, but those sniper matches and field style matches, you know, in the 2007, 8, 9, 10 timeframe becoming more and more popular. You mentioned George Gardner with GA Precision, yeah. that, that kind of sport uh, growing. And then you see the shift into the hunting world with the Creedmoor, where you mentioned, Dave, the 120 GMX, the 129 SST, and it probably had a, a, a little growth burst in that time frame, maybe 2010 to yeah. 2013 yeah, right. or yeah. so. I would say 2010 was right around when it really started to take off. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. So the hunting stuff kicked off. Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the overnight success that took 10 years. Um, but it was just incremental things and people would, people or sports or disciplines would kind of discover it, but at different times. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, once that field shooting stuff kicked off, that was a big one. Mm -hmm. It just made perfect sense. You didn't catalyst. have to load ammo. I mean, you, you certainly, certainly could. Because the load was printed right on the yeah. box yeah. for the longest time. I can remember some of the first hunting articles that were, you know, 10, 11 maybe. And the guys just kept going on and on about how, boy, this is just such a comfortable, easy cartridge to shoot. And they said, it is just phenomenally accurate, you mm. know. And it's, these bullets are effective. And, you know, why would you... 
in the 308 30-06 class, cartridges want to shoot anything other than this thing because it's just yeah. so pleasant to shoot, and yep. it's got such long-range capability. Yeah. It certainly yeah. We did, it was a TC. TC did chamber it. The reason why... The Warlord. Alpha Brain's kicking in. Yeah. Is uh, we went there with TC yeah. to South Africa. Mine was Carl a six. Ricker was yep. there with Mine us. was a 6.5 yeah. Creedmoor. Yeah. And I yeah. know the Warlord that you mentioned was yep. chambered in 6.5 Yeah, Creedmoor. so, I mean, they did do it. But, um, yeah, so once this field shooting uh, kind of, you know, back then, I think it was sniper matches is what mm-hmm. they were termed. That started kicking off, and then the PRS became a an organization. And there was a 6.5 race where... Yeah. A lot of people shifted from 308 to 65. Sure. And then, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion, uh, I was taking phone calls at the time, 30 to 50 phone calls a day. There was a marked shift in 2015 with the ELD match and the ELDX oh, for that matter. Yeah. But the Creedmoor, uh, the phone call volume and the request and the, i need more information on this why didn't i hear about this before how long has it been out the six five or just that no load? six five and six five creed more specifically oh. i feel like once that eld match bullet came out in the 140 in our in our match ammunition it it felt like that was a knee in the curve that well another another thing that happened was so all these rifles that people were shooting you know robar uh GA Precision, um, you name it. Some of the some of the HS Precision. All these folks that were making rifles. Well, they're 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 not um, super economical. They're not. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not. It's a inex- premium, They're not inexpensive. Yeah, it's a premium we say. product, and yeah, they demand and I mean, a premium it's, it's price. It's the sum of the parts, and they mm-hmm. all make phenomenal products. But Ruger came out with the Ruger Precision rifle, which was every man's. You know, quote unquote sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. For Joe, about you were a thousand, the event for about a Texas. thousand bucks, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and here you can have this rifle that it's got a chassis, it's chambered in a cartridge that's applicable for these sports. Uh, it's 6.5 Creedmoor, it's got detachable magazines, it's modular, you can do this and that to it. And that really helped. They sold, I don't know how many of those oh, rifles. Yeah. So Joe that, bought the one that he tested. Yeah, sure. nice. Yeah, still have it. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, that would have that been was, probably not, yeah, 2016 probably with that or 17. It had perhaps. to be right there because we were shooting ELD matches. Mm, well, and then you, you figure, okay, so if Ruger does that, what happens next? Other gun manufacturers start doing something similar. So now everybody is getting into precision rifles. You can, you can pick the level of, uh, of entry for yourself. So sure. if you want to have a production gun that is quite economical, that shoots well, and, or if you want to go to a custom, semi-custom, you can obviously go there. Sky's the limit. So that that really helped that cartridge yeah. as well. But then you know the best form of marketing is word of mouth. So enough people start shooting these uh, six five Creedmoor cartridges, they start to realize how effective it can be. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of took off. It really did, and I think the ELD match ELDX bullets really helped propel that. And it probably would have happened otherwise. But man, those bullets. The consistency, the accuracy. You talked about the economical rifles that were out at the time. You know, when you can get the three hundred and fifty dollar rifle, and then the full custom. The the equalizer, though, was regardless of where you were at on that spectrum. The factory ammo shot well. Yeah, and then oh, yeah. And that was you never had to question that, and that's true today. Like uh, I feel spoiled uh, being young in this industry because that's that's how I came up in this industry where. You could just get a factory rifle of almost any, you know, price point and get factory ammunition and it's going to perform well. And those bullets really, really helped. And that ELDX bullet, at least in my opinion, I think that also really helped propel the, the Creedmoor, which had already been established in the hunting world, but it just solidified it. You had a bullet that didn't give up anything on accuracy, didn't give, give up anything in external ballistics, and then still had that terminal performance that uh that you that you need for mm-hmm. a you know a big game hunting rifle uh in my opinion anyway i think that eldx was pretty important in in making the gun builders have hunting rifles not just you know the ruger precision rifle yeah right. kind of stuff yeah, for sure but now mm-hmm. hunting rifles. hunting rifles and i mean for many folks and the the six five creedmoor sales at certain points in their production cycles sold more than all other chamberings combined that's so still true today i think you know i mean it's been a and it just does a lot of things really well and i suppose we should chat about that some i mean they're 
it's it's fun to get online and everybody wants to the haters are gonna hate and Mm -hmm. oh it's a terrible cartridge it's this and that it's like okay (laughs) hey that's fine go shoot something else because there's millions of people that do not agree with you so um but yeah every fall i start getting messages from from people in the industry that have got an elk hunt they're like hey man is a is a 6.5 creedmoor good enough for elk hunting and i'm like yep every day and twice on sunday yeah. just with the right you know, bullet check your and numbers the right and make sure you're sure. you know yep. stand within the capabilities of the bullet and the velocities that you'll be at yeah. and and remember you're going to get a little little free trajectory up there in the thinner yeah. air so well and dave you mentioned you took it to africa and at the 10-year anniversary of the creedmoor uh neil i know you were with uh outdoor writer joe kurtenbach yeah and also took that to africa tell mm-hmm. us about what was on the menu there and how that cartridge performed um yeah so what did we do we had the uh, heart of beast gimpsbuck uh probably a zebra and might have been yeah so i mean some large animals that's yeah. why gimpsbuck not an easy animal to take down all the time no uh got large adrenal glands and and that's why the whole elk conversation comes up and People are always like, oh, I don't know, you know, they need to be in some kind of a long action cartridge or something. And sure, there's lots of good choices, but I I contend that there's so many people that live in the Rocky Mountain West that just they have what they have. Right. And if a kid grows up with the six five Creedmoor, that's what they're going to use, and it's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Um. So yeah, I mean, we shot at that initial trip. I remember we shot Waterbuck, Kudu, Kudu, Small uh, Game, Wildebeest. um, Wildebeest took an eland with it. Yeah, I shot an eland. Yeah, zebras. An eland, 2,000 pounds. Yeah, that's a big animal. So, I mean, if you you stay within, just with every cartridge, you stay within its capabilities, you're good to go. Yeah, and uh, what the Creedmoor has in spades is if you want to put the bullet right there, you can pick a spot and put the bullet right there. Well, that that's what I remember with, with my pH. The first animal I shot over there when we got there was a, a wildebeest. Yeah. And, and we stalked these things literally crawling on our hands and knees for like a thousand yards. And we could get about 325 yards from them. And uh, we were sitting in some rocks and he goes, can you, can you hit it, Dave? Who'd you have, Dave DeConing? No, it was uh, Gary. Gary, okay. Uh, but I, I looked at him, I said, where do you want me to hit it? A little bit high, right behind your shoulder. Okay. And there was about a 15 mile an hour crosswind. And I shot and you could see lungs blow out the other side. And he's, bloody hell, that was a good shot. You know? He's <laughs> all excited for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was jumping up and down. And then I think uh, the other, I had a, I think a kudu up the side of a mountain at like 415 yeah. yards. And I, and he was like, Oh my God. You know, he's just going on. And what do you call that cartridge again? Yeah. And Aaron yep. Carter yeah. shot a kudu at about 400. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's a great cartridge for, I mean, everybody should have one. That, yeah. That's just a thing. Like, and, and one during, why do you gotta be stuck? To yeah. One? Well, yeah. okay. We own like four. Of let's them. start with one. <laughs> I don't know how many I have, yeah. but I mean, like, so I, getting guns kind of sorted out for my kids when they were younger and I kind of struggling. And it's a great point. When I was here in Nebraska, when I was a young guy, the, the cartridge was 243. That's what it was for. That's what a kid starts off with because it's not too big for prairie dogs. It's just right for deer. Uh, it's also good for coyotes. Elk hunting wasn't necessarily part of the thought process for that. So it was a 243. So I was like, you know, just from, nostalgia standpoint i was like ah, i should maybe get him a 243 but then i'm like ah, it leaves a little on the table so like an idiot finally i'm like yeah fool come on make them some six five grade more so we did yeah. and there's no looking back because they've got something that'll again within the limitations of the cartridge it'll yeah. do what you want it to do yeah um and it's it's not too yeah okay <laughs> prairie dogs well i've used them on prairie dogs i have too oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. out to about a thousand yards <laughs> yeah 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 i shot one with my DPMS AR-10 in Wyoming, it took me all morning, man. <laughs> I don't know how many rounds I, I must have shot with a thick, like a 10-power scope. Anyway, I got one at like 800 yards, but it was just by luck, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, volley fire. So they'll work for prairie dogs, um, great for antelope, great for deer, and then it's certainly applicable for animal like elk. Yeah. Again, with the right and planes game, right? Yeah, the planes you know, game, the right circumstances. So you mentioned the the kids thing that that right there. You know, Joe, you've got yeah four young kids at home, and that's just a perfect cartridge that's capable. 
it's it's certainly authoritative on on our midwestern deer and it's not knocking the snot out of a 14 year old girl no No, they can go shoot this gun for hours Mm -hmm. all the kids do and we own like we have like five creedmoors truly Christina shoots it. Heck, I like shooting it. How do you yeah. know? I mean, I know Dave yeah. likes shooting it, but yeah. my kids can shoot it. They start shooting it at like 10, 11 years old, mm-hmm. put suppressors on them. It is great. It's great. So it just, I just love how versatile it is. It does yeah. so many things so well, and it's so accurate. That's the, I mean, the, the, best, the best story I have for that is I did long range hunting classes for military down in New Mexico. When I was there. And Part of that was because we could get very, very high angles of fire at very, very long distances. And I had 5th Special Forces Group come down, and they wanted to go shoot long range at high angles of fire. It's a difficult it, task. Oh, yeah. And the, right in the middle of the, uh, the area that the whole test facility was in was a 7,200-foot mountain peak. And literally, you could take about 10 yards to the north, and you'd step off of you know a 1,200-foot cliff. Yeah. And I had a target out there at 1,550 yards at about a 27, 28 degree downward angle. And these guys all came with 300 wood mags and they were banging away for 20 minutes trying to hit this thing. And I don't think anybody ever hit it. And I just sat there watching and slowly set up my TC Icon hunting rifle. Woodstock, um, right? Yeah, Woodstock yeah. on my bags and watching the wind for five, six minutes and got out. Hornady Ford Sh- off. Shameless marketing, Hornady Ford off, <laughs> yeah. and punched everything in it, and, you know, sighted over it, and put my angle in, and all that kind of stuff, and my first shot, I hit it three inches right of the center, but it's six-size <laughs> yeah. target, and I hit it three more times in a row after that, and I said, that's it, I quit, I'm <laughs> yeah. not shooting anymore today, because all I got coming is a miss now. <laughs> and you're not a slouch behind a rifle, Dave, yeah. I mean, there's some but of that those, too. But those guys all saw me do that, and they're like, what are you shooting? My 6.5 Creedmoor hunting rifle. You got any more ammo? And, <laughs> and I had about 100 rounds of 147s with me, and those guys shot up every single round I had. I got to get one of these things. Yeah. You do. You do have to get one. It's, uh, it's a great training tool. Uh, it bucks the wind great, and low recoil. Barrel life is fantastic. Find the latest shirts, hats, hoodies, and accessories that you see here on the podcast and much more at HornadyGear.com. Um, we've talked a lot about hunting on the precision rifle world, you know, early on in the 2012, 13, 14 timeframe, it felt like it was a six, five race. There was a lot of people going to six, five. Mm. And then in Sixes. probably 17, 18, 19, then it was a six millimeter race. And now where we're at in 2023, I almost feel like there's just a little bit of a shift going back to 6.5. Six. And there's a lot more 6.5 Creedmoor shoot shooters. shoot match last weekend? Hornady, six, five. Yeah. Creed, six, five Creedmoor. I mean, so a lot of folks east of the Mississippi where the wind isn't typically just hellacious. hellacious. Sure, six is cool. But when you go west, west. It's, it makes sense to start yeah. using the six five, especially if you're shooting longer shots. Sure. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I've, uh, I got sucked into the six millimeter race as well, and I don't shoot a ton anymore competitively, which we <laughs> quote this air, year, air quotes competitively. Year. But, uh, You've been busy, man. Uh, it's still one of those things where, oh yeah, I got this hot rod six. Yeah. And 950 rounds later, I'm spinning up a new barrel and at a thousand, I pull it. And it's doesn't take you that long to shoot a thousand rounds when you start shooting a match that's 200 rounds per match plus yep. load workup and practice and barrel breaking. And, uh, that 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. You're going to get, I overheard Rick Reeves double or at, triple a, that. at a PRS match years ago and he, some guys asked him, you shooting a six or a six, five? And he's like, man, I shoot a six, five. I already go through seven barrels a year. It's like, holy cow. <laughs> yeah. So if he shot a six, he'd go through, I don't know. 20. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you definitely get more barrel yeah. life. But yeah, that, that little bit of transition going back to six, five, especially for those field matches out West, like you'd mentioned, uh, Neil, that, that match there in Utah, you've got extreme ranges. You've got extreme wind. You've got wind gradient. You've got upward drafts. You've got your hands full in regard to wind and uh big heavy six five i say big and heavy in the grand scheme in the of things they're not sure they're not that heavy but but in the prs world 150 grain bullets a whole lot different than a 105 and a 110 yeah yes it's, they are yeah a third more but you get the barrel life and you get splash you get splash you get, exactly you get so the wind misses. performance and then there's a uh kind of an intangible but you experience it when you're behind the gun is 
you know, 153 grain A tip out of a 6.5 Creedmoor doing, uh, gosh, I don't know, 2,700. There's just that little bit of lag time while it's in the air. Not actual lag time, but the time between you pull the trigger and you get sight picture again, you can see that bullet coming. And when you're shooting a hot rod six doing 3,000 feet per second, it's there right now. Well, it's there now. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, you get that. And uh, I think back to my first custom rifle, which was a 6.5 Creedmoor and a Bartland Medium Palma, which is kind of a small barrel contour now for the world of match shooting, but uh, Medium Palma. And I beat the snot out of that thing. I ran it hard its entire life. And I probably got, I stopped counting rounds when I pulled it out of service, quote unquote, for competitive stuff and set the chamber back once. It's still shooting. It's got to have north of 4,000 rounds on it. And it's well past its service life. But I shoot 20 Fowlers. I've got a nice rifle for gray dogs, coyotes, plinking, practice for PRS, barricade practice. And uh, I, I don't think I pulled it out of match life until 2,700 rounds or something. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe yeah. closer to 3,000. And uh, that, to me, was awesome. So shifting gears now into present day 6.5 Creedmoor, I feel like, man, it was probably 20, maybe pre-COVID or right during COVID, it became the cartridge everybody hated to love, so they loved to hate it. And the internet talks. Yeah, it's and just, there's people that... What a form of flattery. Yeah, everybody's got a keyboard. You should get a license to run a keyboard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say that because I, I've had that question for magazine articles and stuff where a writer will co- call me up and, and want to visit pointedly about, you know, what what's that like? Uh, honestly, it's kind of a form of flattery. It's kind of like uh, having a, a Ford Mustang, right? Yeah, you know, what, a lot what, of people make fun of Mustangs, but it's still, you know, you can still make those pretty darn fast. But the sales numbers tell a whole different story. Yes, they do. So yep. America is a two two three nine millimeter and six five Creedmoor country. That's, yes, that's what is most popular. Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, and during I always, the during the COVID deal, I mean, we couldn't make enough of anything, but those were the yeah, those, those were, were the, the staples. Yep. So the Creedmoor. A little bit of a slow burn, but boy, when it took off, it took off. And uh, I mentioned everybody hates to love it, so they love to hate it, and it gets its share of press and publicity. Uh, and what I usually tell them is, if the cartridge didn't have merit, I don't care what kind of magician you have on a marketing team, you can't prop up something that won't stand on its own two yeah, feet. True. And now, many years later, the Creedmoor... We're, we're going yeah. on two decades. And, and I tell yeah. you, I think it... so. I've called the Creedmoor, it's, it's lightning in a bottle, mm-hmm. right? And everybody, it's fun to try to do that again. I, yeah. I think we've we've come close a few other times. Um, but I think it kind of paved the way for acceptance for the uh, 6.5 PRC. Yeah. Just because, again, it really was the first super popular. The, the 260 had some followers, but the 6.5 Creedmoor really became a uh, yeah. the first really popular 6.5 cartridge yep. in 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 america anyway yeah I think and then so. you know acceptance of the 6.5 prc wasn't as difficult as it may have yeah. been if had that been the first introduction right. yeah but well, that cartridge proved to be the 6.5 prc proved to be lightning in a bottle which makes the 6.5 creedmoor a lightning storm in a bottle lightning storm. <laughs> yeah it's well you, still is a huge you've got cartridge. a cartridge that you know has uh, transcended popularity it is just it's everywhere and Recently, uh, Tyler Friel with Outdoor Life shot a grizzly bear, an inland grizzly bear with it. <laughs> Probably not his first choice, huh? <laughs> it was his first oh, choice. Oh, really? Was yeah. it? Holy cow. Yeah, he was, he, he is the, yeah, he, he supports it and he, he, you know, some people have called this the 6.5 need more and he calls it the 6.5 bleed more. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it really did pave the way. That's a great point, Neil, because it, it helped identify, okay, hey, these guys at Hornady know what they're doing from a cartridge design standpoint. You compare it to the 260, which is more of a brute force approach, and now you've got a very elegantly designed cartridge that lets the efficiency of the bullet do the work, and it becomes very consistent with velocity, performance, and accuracy performance. And then you get the 6.5 PRC, and guys go, oh, yeah, 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 they're right. They did it again, and it's kind of the same design methodology than the 300 PRC and the 6 arc and the 7 PRC. And, and now... It, it feels like working with the gun builders and the gun manufacturers. If we come out with something, this going back to the 6.5 Cream will really pave the way where now they don't raise an eyebrow. And, oh, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Now it's, 
you designed a cartridge. Uh, we trust you that it, you flushed it out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll get some guns built because we know they're going to fly off the shelf. I listened to a consumer somewhere and uh, he's talking to a friend of his about, you know, man, what do I do? Should I do this? Should I do a 6.5 Creedmoor or a 6.5 PRC? And it was just such a simple conversation because he said, man, just, just consider the 6.5 PRC. It's just a 6.5 Creedmoor Magnum. I was like, well, there you go. That's just yeah. a simple deal. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. I, I guess I would say, you know, the, the, we came close on the 30 TC, but you didn't have the bullets at the time. But the 6.5 Creedmoor was really the first one where you went against the norm, which is, hey, you know, to have a successful cartridge, you got to have a big case capacity drive the heck and, out. and yeah. drive the heck out of it. And we don't care about BC or anything mm-hmm. else. You just make this thing go fast and it'll and sell. Inefficient and yep, inefficient and yeah. high recoil and low BC bullets and all that kind of stuff. It was really, I think, the first time the industry started making the shift to, no, you want an efficient cartridge, which means less case capacity. And you want to give yourself the room in this design to get really efficient, really high BC mm-hmm. bullets. And then the bullet does the work for you downrange. You don't have to drive this thing at sure. 3,200 feet per second. Yeah. It seems so simple when you say it, but there are still companies that design cartridges that they're yeah. just fire-breathing Jeez. dragons, hot, nasty yeah, speed know. down the drag yeah. strip. And, and barrel life suffers, shootability suffers. suffers. Accuracy, accuracy, the whole recoil, all of it, cost to shoot it, pressure consistency, velocity consistency, uphill and downhill shooting consistency. I I think that's still the old school 400 yard shooting mentality. Exactly what it is. And you know, exactly right. And most of those cartridges are shooting, to use a vernacular, you know, bullets that have a BC of a brick Mm -hmm. because that's all they can get to survive out of these things. And the Creedmoor. You know, there's been a few other six, five, you know, fire breathing cartridges come out in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And you look at 500 yards at a six, five Creedmoor is caught up and passed most of them by then. Yeah. That's a, it's a beautiful thing. And then, uh, you know, in current, you know, 21st century times, we've got 153 A tip, 135 A tip that, you know, that just shifts that performance mm-hmm. that much more when now we've got, I don't even know the right word, but hyper efficient bullet design and you get those things out of the muzzle it almost don't matter what the velocity is if you can get them out of the muzzle that efficiency of the bullet you're going to be accurate you're going to buck the wind uh it's pretty pretty remarkable and then not to mention the fact that we talked about how the creedmoor kind of paved the way for this cartridge design methodology and chamber design it really worked well it also paved the way for cartridges like the six millimeter creedmoor yeah, uh, yep. to, to come along. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, a, a pretty, you know, wildcatters are going to wildcat and 6.5 Creedmoor came out. It was pretty well instantly necked down to six millimeter. Um, but, uh, what a, what a fast flat cartridge that is. And a great, life a great, a all, bit. a great all around cartridge though. But I think, I think Dave touched on earlier that we live as, you know, you go back in history, you know, nineties, eighties, whatever people had more time on their hands. You didn't have your cell phone all the mm-hmm. time. So now we fast forward and I think one reason why it took a long time to, to catch on, so to speak, is now you think about nowadays how little time you have. Everybody has less time. So I don't have time to be tinkering with loading and tweaking my rifle and doing all that stuff. I want to go buy a rifle. I love to go hunting or shooting. I want to go buy ammo and I want to go do that successfully. And this was, if you think about it, this was one of the first packages like yeah. that. And we've done some since then yeah. that allowed people's time to be more valuable and they could utilize their time for shooting or kids ball or whatever it was mm-hmm. and still yep. enjoy their passion or what they like to do of shooting you yep. weren't spending hunting. hours in the loading room to go correct to the range and shoot for an hour that's yeah. Cr- yeah. exactly and i think that i think just the world we live in, in that evolved enough that it helped push this yeah you know i want to say methodology that we've embraced when we design cartridges and chambers mm-hmm. where we're intending it for ammunition that we build to work well you yep. do not have to be a hand loader to get optimum performance. No. No, you don't. No. And I think back to uh, uh, my father and his first 6.5 Creedmoor, and I put one together for dad, never had one, got some factory ammo, and this was before it was in the white box when it was in the cardboard-colored custom yeah. box, so probably yep. 2016 mm-hmm. maybe, uh, and got this gun put together, and it was kind of a heavier barrel but not super heavy, and, and he sunk some money into a pretty decent scope, and had a range finder that would range a thousand yards and a piece of steel and, and went home 
to the hay field where I did a ton of shooting growing up and you can caddy corner, you can get 1200 yards out of it, but dad on his six, five Creedmoor and, and me on the glass hit his first target at a thousand yards with factory match ammo in a, in a semi custom rifle and just, just floored him. And without that set of components, you know, with something, an efficient design with factory ammo, any hand loads for it now, simply because he, he can't, he likes to hand load. And, uh, but that really brought long range shooting. The six, five Creedmoor helped bring long range target shooting to a group of people that historically didn't have access to it. Uh, and you know, like I mentioned, the range finder and the scope that all aided to it. But when you've got at the time a 58 or seven year old man, never shot past probably 500 yards, lays down on a Creedmoor, give it two tenths more wind, ping, holy cow, no problem. And then to do it on command. And if you go to a lot of the, uh, you know, training centers and shooting courses and that most of the most of the uh, most of the company guns are going to be six five creedmoor you go to ftw they've got a whole stable full of them cameo's places. got a whole stable full of ammo there yeah. six five creed i mean it's, it's just it's, it's just, just you get that barrel life yeah. you get the performance new shooters get to learn how to how to shoot with something that doesn't punish them all day right and dave can probably attest to this as he's dabbled in the outdoor writing i know since i work primarily with editorial staff when they get a rifle in to to review it's almost generically going to be a 6.5 creedmoor yeah because they don't want to have to sugarcoat things they don't want to have to massage their results they want to get a rifle in and get ammo in from various manufacturers and shoot bug holes mm-hmm. and yep. when you get a rifle in to review yep. and it's in 6.5 creedmoor and you get ammo from us and federal and all the other big names that make 6.5 creedmoor ammo and you look at the accuracy column in their review, and every single one of them is minute of angle or better. It's That's, it's pretty telling. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna chamber say the, design. Yep, <laughs> exactly what it is. Because well, uh, I I just uh, wrote an article for Guns and Ammo on kind of an introduction to you know what are the considerations for and what do you need for entry level equipment for long range hunting, and I chose a Bossberg six five Creedmoor and a Ruger American six five PRC. Both those guns shot under minute angle with out-of-the-box factory ammo. That's the Mossberg considerably under minute sure. angle. Yeah, and Judd, who's back here <clears throat> filming for us today, yeah, he'd probably fight you about a 6.5 uh, Creedmoor Ruger rifle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. His, I think his, his new bride stole that. From yeah, him, yeah, she did. Yeah. 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 She, we might have to get another one on order. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but it's a great point, Dave, that, yeah, the, the economical rifle, it, you can just get it and, and trust it. And there are... You know, there are there advancements to be made in maybe an aftermarket stock or trigger or something? Maybe. But if you get an out-of-the-box rifle with out-of-the-box ammo and I that mean, kind of performance. You're literally at the point now where you can go buy a $700 rifle in a $500 scope that will track and repeat well. And you can legitimately go long-range hunting or even long-range shooting. I mean, it's, you don't have to have these five or $6,000 setups mm-hmm. to go be pretty salty. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, there's been manufacturing improvements from everybody, not just on the ammo side, but on the gun side. Triggers are way better than they used to be. That's a big one. I mean, for a long time, triggers were all like seven pounds or something like that. So everybody's got triggers now that are much more friendly. Uh, Barrel manufacturing uh, techniques have improved. And then on our side, on the ammo side from us and others, it's just we've all gotten better. And Mm -hmm. I think the shooter, the, the consumer now is just getting products that are at the, at the at the at the peak, and presumably the peak will continue to get higher as as time moves on. Yep. Um, but you can't change things like a chamber design. No. Now, no you when can't. you start off with that and it's correct and the bullet is going straight out of the cartridge case, it's got to be right. You start with the right. Well, the, mix. the entire philosophy of of the industry now has changed because it's not about you know guy's going to go hunting and boy, a long shot's going to be 400 yards and we're going to sell a whole lot more of this 300 wind mag with a 150 grain bullet going, you know, 3,200 foot per second because that's what he wants and that's what he thinks is going to work. And it's, that's not the case anymore. It is not. It is not the case. I think, yeah, the efficiency takes over and uh, anecdotally, I think anybody that knows me, public land mule deer is just my thing. That if I had to pick one animal and one way to hunt them forever and ever and ever, Public land mule deer is the thing. We should have had that as a question at the end. We could have uh, put Seth right. on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Put yeah. us on yeah. the spot all the yeah. time. So the, my first successful attempt 
at shooting a public land <laughs> public land mule deer. Uh, I'm packing along a 6.5 Creedmoor 143 grain ELDX doing 27, 20 feet per second. And it finally happens between uh, in this draw, shooting across the draw, 417 yards. No question, didn't even think about it, looked at the wind, dialed my dope, put one through both shoulders, dumped him in his tracks. 6.5 Creedmoor. Didn't even, didn't even think about, you know, the complexity of the shot because I had been shooting this rifle for years and it just, it was like an extension of my hand. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a beautiful thing. And, uh, that was the first animal that I killed with a 6.5 Creedmoor. And it's like, I don't know what everybody's talking about. That seemed to work pretty good for me. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same kind of experience too. This was probably a couple of years after I was out to Lexington on, on Truman's place and I hadn't seen deer all day and it was almost, you know, it was dusk-ish kind of time frame, sitting on the edge of a cornfield and here walks two does out and ranged them, you know, 420 yards away. I didn't even have a bipod. I literally leaned against a fence post and dumped her right where she, you know, it's like, holy cow, this is pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty legit indeed. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of animals in the in the country that are not fans of the 6.5 group more, I promise you. Yep. You can have access to the Hornady Handbook of Cartridge Reloading at your fingertips wherever you are with the Hornady Reloading Guide app available for iPhone and Android. Check it out today. It's been pretty fantastic to watch this thing like a rocket sled on rails really become so prevalent. And uh, it's cool to, to sit down and hear the story and have some of the history. You know, Joe's got a notebook from 2005 that uh, has some notes in there and to get one of his experimental draw dies or taper dies rather uh to see you know dave's personal yeah, the, dummy the round personal for a rifle round. that he that, still owns by the way that should go in a trophy case out front somewhere <laughs> yeah do you think you think your throat's a little further <laughs> further down the barrel now uh and yeah the original size die the 6.5 dash 30 tc yeah, it was just fun to have a little a little history but you better the, take that home dave the part of the consistency you know people you said earlier i think that um, people ask you, well, why a 6.5 Creedmoor, this and that. And one of the like examples that I use personally with my family is I have a whole bunch of Creedmoors that my wife and my kids shoot, right? So when they start shooting, I need to have a system in place. So when I'm watching them shoot for them to improve in mm. their skill, I have to understand or I have to know that the rifle and the ammunition, the bullet is going where it's supposed to go. That way I know how to help and coach them and make yeah. them better. If you've got a gun that shoots a pattern down there, you're, you're not helping anybody. You know, yeah. I can't help my kid get better, but if I know if the miss is because of them or the wind or whatever, we can improve on that skill. And a yeah. lot of people are like, oh, that makes, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. You've got and to this, know. And this package is tried and true, obviously over the years that you know that yeah. it shoots well. It's one it's less variable. Well. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yep. So. And it's not, it's not the only cartridge in the world. There's, there's, oh, yeah. there's a whole no, bunch, there's of a other bunch of other cartridges and, but. Man, if you don't have one, you need to have one. It just does a lot of it does a lot of stuff well. Yep. Um, but you also need a, a six five PRC. You need a seven PRC. I think you need a seven PRC, PRC for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, man, I it just yeah. If you if you you can find the ammo for it everywhere at this point in well, time. Well, that's a internationally. Sure, it's, yeah, it's overseas. Sure, it's in sure Europe. Sure, that story, Neil, with uh, John Snow. Uh, which one? Uh, when he shot that. Was oh it yeah, Cole? shoot yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he was in. Uh, he had a he he had an international trip, and uh, he was with another ammo manufacturer. But he had um, see he I think he was in Zimbabwe or something like this. So John Snow, editor for Outdoor Life. Um, so he had a complex trip. He was going to go to Zimbabwe, and then straight from Zimbabwe, he's going to go to Mongolia. So here he is. He, he he couldn't take one rifle one place, and there was a transfer some other place, and having guns in this other transfer location would have been a mess. So he probably used a camp gun or used somebody else's rifle in Zimbabwe or whatever he did and then had to get a rifle when he got to Mongolia. And uh, in Mongolia, ends up with a Tika. I think it was a Tika. Yeah, N65 Creedmoor. So, you know, it's to the ends of the earth, yeah, Timbuktu. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's established. And the yeah. first time when we went to South Africa for all those guys, they were enamored. They were, they were, they were awestruck at how well the cartridge performed. But they're they were always reluctant because ugh, you know we can't get this thing here. It's, we're never going to have sure. a product, so it takes a while. But 
boy, at this point in time, it is global. It's, it's everywhere global. you want to go. Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, South America, Asia, Europe. It's it's everywhere. Awesome. Well, guys, I don't have anything else to add to the 6.5 Creedmoor story, but I appreciate you guys sharing the story uh, going back, like Joe said, almost two decades now. Is there anything else that you guys want to leave the listener with? No. No. Pretty much. We covered it. Yeah. It's well that covered. Is, that is the 6.5 Creedmoor from... Yep. Yeah, and these guys are, I mean, that's who made it right here. These two guys. I don't know who else, somebody else is probably involved with a little bit of stuff here and there, but uh, between Dave and Joe, that's that's who that's who I'm made. I'm pretty the sure thing. we did this one because we I know we yeah, chambered, it, it we was, bullets chambered were the barrels. Done, <laughs> we didn't have to have new bullets, so yeah. it's about you know designing the cartridge case, the chamber, and propellant selection. Wow, well, well done, guys. On behalf of pretty much everybody in the world that's a shooter, uh, thank you for the <laughs> 6.5 Creedmoor, and thanks for coming on the show. And black ops Oops. sometimes are worth sticking yeah. your neck out for. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. they yeah. are. Yep, uh, <laughs> yes, they are. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this peek behind the curtain on the development process of the 6.5 Creedmoor, a cartridge that is versatile. You can use it for matches, target shooting, hunting. It's all over the world. It's one of our favorites. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch you on the next one.